Hey, and welcome to The Intersection. This is Middlebrook Pike's podcast. Here at Middlebrook Pike, we are at the uh, church at the corner of where faith and life meet. And here on The Intersection, we are going to try and find out exactly what that means for us. And uh, so that's for, for us, the congregation, for, for the city of Knoxville. And hopefully by listening, you can find out for yourself where faith and life might meet for you as well. Uh, today, we've got uh, a guest here that is a Lego aficionado. Uh, yes. His name is Mike Phillips. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm recovering from uh, a long weekend of... Uh, we've been very social media focused this weekend in our conversations, and I never thought it would be so exhausting <laughs> until I did it. Like You'd think that social media is very non-physical intensive work, but it exhausts you. Just laying on the couch, typing and talking? And... You would think that. <laughs> You would think that, but it is more Zoom calls than it's a lot of Zoom calls. So, uh, so how uh, how's the Corona life been with you? <laughs> it's been uh, it's been different. Uh, yeah, you know we we were at, uh, we all stayed at home. Uh, my wife John and Delaney have been at home, you know, since spring break, and yep. I think I worked from home for about six weeks. And at that point, I think that's when. Everybody got tired of me being at the house, so I went back to my office and been been there ever since. But other than that, it really hadn't affected us a whole lot. We're not going yeah. out to eat like you know like we used to. Uh, skip vacation, you know we didn't go to the beach this year. So oh no, where do you usually go? Uh, we usually go to Myrtle Beach. Oh Myrtle year. Beach, okay. When and when I say Myrtle Beach, it's actually closer to Surfside. It's where we go. We go to the campsites down around Garden City and Surfside. So so I actually. I have heard that a lot of people have been going on more beach vacations during Corona. Like that's the one vacation people haven't been canceling. No, we didn't go this year, so it's okay. uh, it was Corona had a little to do with some of our decision making, but sure. you know, some family health issues that you know yeah. that were out there too. So we canceled a couple of the, uh, vacation there. Okay, so tell us about Mike. Uh, tell us kind of like uh, you know where you're born, where how'd you get from that place to this place, and the, all the stuff in between, uh, as detailed or not detailed as you want to be. Okay, <laughs> um, I am from Knoxville. I was born here. Uh, Been here your whole life. Yes. Oh wow. So, okay. Um, other than a little short stint, I did a uh, in the military. Out once I got out of high school, I joined the Marines and. Did Marines. The, yeah, did that for a little while. Oh, wow. Um, what did you do in the Marines? I was a combat engineer. Um, okay, what does that mean? That means <laughs> I basically dug up landmines and played with C4 explosives. Fantastic. That's the that's the topic for the rest of the podcast, guaranteed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want to hear all about that. So it was it was interesting. It was, uh, it was uh, see, I was 19 when I went in. It was a little stressful. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, you know, once you got out of boot camp, went to school and stuff like that. But after that, it was, you know. It wasn't too bad. You learned to deal with stress pretty easy. I'm sure. At least I did anyway. So. How much uh, training versus practical did you have to do with uh, with all that explosives? I would say probably about uh, maybe 50-50. We did a lot really? of hands-on stuff with the dummy rounds and dummy landmines mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then we got into some, some live stuff, but not a lot of... Most of the live stuff was like the C4 and, and, and that kind of stuff. The landmines were... They had enough explosives in them to 
wake you up if you messed up. So that was about sure. <laughs> so uh, where were you deployed? Um, actually, you? between I went in in '95. Uh, uh-huh. There was nothing okay. going on, so I spent a little bit of time at Camp Lejeune. Um, oh, perfect! I've then, been to Camp Lejeune. It is an interesting, <laughs> sorry, sticky hot place. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, so I was there for most of my time. The rest of the time was spent at the reserves down in Alcoa Highway. Uh, okay. Yep. So. My dad actually was at the reserves there. Uh, he works, he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was where they stationed him for some reason because I knew it was mostly Marine Corps there. Yeah. I was, I think, is, is it Navy Marine Corps base? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you were in the Navy. So uh, work wise, what did you, what, what was your kind of history there? Uh, you talking about work outside of the military? Yeah. yeah. Um, so was that your first job? Was military? Or no, actually in high school, my first job was Dollywood. Dollywood? Yes. What would you do there? I, uh, surf. No, actually the train depot. Train de- Oh, like the, the big train that goes around? Yep. Oh, uh, I okay. sat there and sold people drinks and popcorn and cookies and whatever else we sold out of the depot. Okay. So that was my first summer job, which was a lot of fun. It was hot. I, I can't imagine. Well, okay, I can kind of imagine mm-hmm. it, but it, I Dollywood. I don't know what it is about Dollywood. Anytime I go, it feels like it's like ten degrees hotter than it actually is outside. <laughs> anywhere I am in that yes. place, it's crazy. Yeah, there's yeah. So that was actually my first job. Okay. And uh, after that, in high school, I did some retail. But after I got out of the, the service, uh, I tried retail, and that's that's not really a job for for <laughs> customer me. service. Not not hit you the right way. <laughs> not exactly. <laughs> So, um, found a job doing uh, heating and air, uh, commercial industrial heating and air, and okay. started that in '99, and been in the heating and air business ever since. Really? So, yeah. So, what what like caught your I don't know what caught your attention, but like what what makes you stay there? Like, what is it that that drives you for heating and air? It was uh, so we did the commercial uh, buildings, and it was really big projects, and I think that was yeah. it. It's just being able to. Uh, I like using my hands um, uh-huh. to build stuff, and that's probably one of the skills I have that I try to use, you know, even outside for the church, stuff like that. I think that's one of the good skills that I've had. Maybe God's given me to, you know, help with Habitat or, you know, Ralph. I've helped Ralph with uh, some stuff up at Wesley Woods and here. Yeah, I think we're about to do that again, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think he mentioned that on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. So, so doing being able to work with my hands, I think that's what's really kept me in the uh, the industry for the past right. twenty one years. Okay, so. wow. Have you done like what's the? Okay, I, I definitely did not write this question down, <laughs> but I'm curious now. What is like the worst project that you've ever had to do with heating and air? Because I assume like the uh, I, I'm guessing because I've obviously never even been close to this arena, but I assume you have to work with like making the puzzle fit with air conditions and enclosed wrong spaces and make jerry rigging i assume in certain situations yeah. and things like that to make it work i think i, I i'm pretty sure the, probably the worst one i've had to deal with there's a pretty popular restaurant down the river by on campus okay. that uh that will be unnamed yes um <laughs> so between the upper level and the lower level there's like a four foot attic slash crawl space okay um that you know it's we had to put in basically take a unit out and put a unit in um it but it was all cramped into that four foot space yes it and it came out in pieces Goodness. and it went in in pieces so, so you had to assemble it in the four foot space yes uh, oh so it was about God. a uh 
I think it was a little over a two week project to do, but it, you know, on a normal day, probably been about three days max. Wow. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was not fun. I can't imagine, especially because I'm sure they had dining going on right below you mm -hmm. and probably above you too. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. So that was, and it, you know, the conditions there probably weren't the, the, and it, like I said, it's an attic slash crawl space. So I mean, yeah. it was, it's been Hot. there for, yeah, and it's been there for who knows how long. So it was, yeah, that's probably Found the some worst friends one. up there with you in that crawl space. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, okay. The the next question is a little jarringly different. Um, I, I don't have a good way to segue it, so I'm just going to say okay. it. So, um, what are, th who are three people, um, who have been kind of influential to you? I asked this question to Ralph and to me, I, th I think this question is very telling depending on what your work history is. Cause a lot of us have been in different places and different times. And like <laughs> I've said on the podcast before, our story is very important. Um, and a lot of people have said when I ask them to be on this podcast, like, I'm a boring person. I don't even really. But like at, at the end of the day, I think no matter how easy our story is, you, you work at the same job for so many years, you know, there's stories there. There's yeah. a lot of stories there. And so in, whether it's in that industry or in your life or marriage or church life or faith or whatever, um, who have been a couple, two or three people that have been very influential to you? Uh, the the first two that come to mind is obviously uh, it's going to be my grandfather, and my dad. Okay. Um, my grandfather was in the military, World War II. Um, he got out. You know, he is. Uh, he actually retired doing heating and air. So, oh, really? so yeah. So part of the, the the path I took really mirrored a lot of what he did. Um, and then my dad uh, also. He was you know a big influence on you know teaching me how to work hard and. How not to quit a job, which is a whole other story. But, oh, uh, <laughs> it sounds like a story I want to hear. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, th those were probably two that you know really taught me uh, okay. how to be a man, how to you know sure follow so, through with everything. And, was kind of mirroring your grandfather's footsteps. Was that intentional, or did that just kind of happen? I think it just kind of happened. Really, uh, it didn't really. You know, uh, there's there's a dozen different reasons I could probably think why I joined the military, but you know, I, I think deep down it was probably part of what he the way he, when he served during world war ii that was probably some of it but, kind of the pride aspect yeah. of that yeah so, that's not uh, the legacy okay um and in faith i would say probably my youth minister in middle school and high school okay um it's really a big influence on you know, my faith i would uh i say because before i started going to church i was probably not to uh, in a good place and probably would have who knows where i would have went and stuff like that but you that know pre-middle high school pre, yeah pre okay yeah um so i ran into a friend of mine and he invited me to church i started going to church and, you know there's some influences there and i think it really changed my faith almost 180 degrees so it helped a lot to uh, as a youth minister i have to dig deeper into that because <laughs> i love hearing how great we are but um <laughs> Uh, do you remember, um, you, you said you were kind of going on a different path, we'll mm -hmm. say, uh, before you were invited. Do you remember how that conversation went when you were invited, um, by your friend to church, even though you weren't Well, it kind of involved? It there? was a youth event they had every Saturday night. Uh-huh. And that's, that's, uh, that's what it started out as going there as church was going there and, uh, they'd have a little, you know, 30, 45 minute, uh, uh, class you know bible study right. or whatever and then you know we'd go out in the graveyard and play hide and go seek and or in the church and in so, the graveyard yeah yeah <laughs> Fantastic. And, and it was an old graveyard it's a little creepy but yeah it's we would do that and so it started out you know it was you know, 
it was getting together and fellowshipping with uh, a lot of people my age. But then I think, you know, at some point I realized, hey, this is, you know, probably what I need in my life. So mm. it's kind of a slow burn over time yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I can't really remember exactly how the, you know, how the conversation went. But, you know, yeah. that seems to be the fear, both in youth and adults mm-hmm. is is that. You know, you feel like the person that you want to invite, like we see the need, like I have a friend that clearly this would be for, I know it, he doesn't know it, but I know it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just go through that conversation in my head a thousand times of what inviting him would look like. And it's just like, there's no way, there's no way, Mm -hmm. there's no way. And so I'm always curious when, when that's, because there's so many times it's like, yeah, a friend just invited me and I fell in love, you know, I that's just how the story goes like that so many times. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing about that conversation, like mentally how that, how you would think about that. Um, so if you could go back in time, uh, I love asking this is probably, <laughs> this has become one of my favorite questions. I, I keep meaning to take it off my question list, but I can't, I love it. If you could go back in time, gun to your head, you have to and change one thing meaningfully that you have control of in your life. Um, what would it be and what would you change it from and to? I don't know that I have a good answer for that one. I mean, <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean... Never stubbed your toe or... Oh, yeah, there's got, plenty of... <laughs> cut off in traffic you'd change or well, anything there, like there, that? There's plenty of things I've, I've, I've done that I could probably say would change, but if I had to go back and change something, you know, where would it get me to where I'm at today? Hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's that's the quandary. Know, yeah, isn't it? that is. I mean, I look at you know, I've I've looked at you know, certain times in my life, and I was like, you know, I could have done this or done that, but what mm-hmm. I did got me to here, to here, to here, to where I am today. So I don't know. I'm sure there was something I I would change. I just don't know what it would be right now. Probably mm-hmm. you know, three or four days from now, it'll come to me, and I'll send you a message <laughs> and let you know what it was. Maybe I'll we can edit, edit it, it back in. Yeah, I'll I'll zoom you in and just <laughs> kind of Photoshop your face in or something. Um, if what about, all right, what about maybe this old jog, because this is a little bit of a time travel question too. What if you could have a cup of coffee with Jesus? I was thinking about this earlier. Like what if, I mean, yeah, forget the fact that having a cup of coffee with Jesus would be just an awkward experience from a time travel perspective. But like if Jesus was here today and you could have a cup of coffee and a conversation with him and you chose the topic of conversation, he wasn't going to budge. What would you talk about with him? Like, what would, what would you bring up? Have I lived a good life like I should have? Okay. You know, you know, I've thrift, you know, I've done things and been places and seen things, said things and stuff, but then it's all got me back to where I'm at now. So, is that the path that I was really supposed to take or was there mm. something else that I should have, you know, man, if we went another way, I don't know. You know, it's, it's almost like, yeah, you're, you're like, did I really do the right yeah, thing? Did I do, yeah. Did I make all the right decisions? I mean, I think I did because I mean, I'm, where I'm at now, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I'm married and sure everything. So I, I mean, think we all kind of have that moment though. But, you know, where we're just like, we question yeah. like, what if, yeah, what if, you know, if, I, if I'd ran a red light and, not, you know, been 10 minutes earlier would I've, you know, met my friends that, you know, eventually led, led me to meet my wife, you know. Speaking of which, I wanted to ask you about that. How did you meet Jonna? <laughs> she told me to skip this question. Aha! I'm telling you not to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you can if you want. No, we, she's from North Carolina and I'm from here. And okay. We have, we ended up actually having mutual friends. Um, 
people that she went to school with that moved to Knoxville and yeah. and stuff. And uh, you would think we would have met here, but uh, our mutual friends actually had extra tickets to a Talladega race, and we were camping uh, a Talladega, at Talladega race. Okay, yeah. so um, we went to Talladega for a couple of days and watched the race, and she was there with her friends and our friends and everything. And that's really how we met. How old were y'all at the time? I'm I'm trying to put the puzzle together when seeing Jana going to a NASCAR race willingly. And I don't know her that well, but I just when I see her I do not see a NASCAR fan. She was a bigger NASCAR fan than I was. Um You're kidding. No, uh I was we were in our late late twenties. But she was from Wilkesboro, North Carolina and okay. there was a uh track in Wilkesboro that was open I think till ninety six or ninety eight okay um so that was a you know part of the nascar circuit forever um you know so she grew up around nascar so yeah okay. she was probably a bigger fan of nascar than i was when we met and so friends of friends and going to nascar yep wow well you heard it here first that's how you pick up women it's, it's, apparently you know, <laughs> it's not as good a story as ralph had you know but <laughs> <laughs> no i mean yeah ralph's story was something else uh Okay, so this this question's a little it feels loaded. It feels like a loaded question. I'm gonna ask you anyway. Um but I'm not trying to trap you or trick you. Keep that in mind before okay. I answer the question or ask the question, excuse me. Um what's one thing that you would change about church? And this is why I ask the question, is because we're now in obviously a very unprecedented time. Mm-hmm. Um and um, working at church during this time, I can tell you that, and you just being a, a member of church, you know that things are just different and strange and difficult, and we're all kind of struggling and scrambling to find out the best way to connect because, you know, faith is about community. It's about, uh, you know, bringing people to a place where they weren't before. Um, and so we're, we're trying to find a way to social media, podcasts, doing things online getting people engaged in that way when normally they wouldn't do that and so a lot of people are questioning what is the church doing right and wrong in this kind of new era and it's made me think like what would we change about church pre pre pre-covid post-covid doesn't matter but like what what's one thing that we're just not doing right in your estimation i don't know that i have a good good answer for that one it's a tough one it's a tough question it's one i've really been trying to struggle with for the last little while because we're forced to change right now yeah so if there is a time to change things we don't like about the church now would be the the time to voice that um so for me while you're thinking about that just to kind of fill in the dot 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 (laughs) um i think church has always been very bad about getting outside the church for what it does. I don't know the answer to this, but I I think that the church has been so dependent on the building um, to do anything. Mm -hmm. Like meeting at a restaurant or bar or golf club or, you know, whatever it is to do a formal church Bible study gathering, you know, whatever it might be, hangout. Um, It's always been kind of a weak spot in the church where it's if we do something that's officially sponsored by the church or barbecue or whatever guess where we're gonna have it you know yeah it's, it's gonna be in the if we can't have it in here it'll be in the parking lot like yeah. it's gonna be on the property and so i think we've been very bad about officially kind of moving as a church 
into new places uh, mm-hmm. together. So I think one thing I would change um, would be our dependence on the building, I guess. Yeah. I can see that. And then, you know, right now we're kind of forced into doing that. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I hate it. And so I, the irony there is yeah. uh, I want the, I want the building back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be a, that's still a tough one. I, I mean, you're right. It's, you know, getting outside of the church. I mean, even growing up, I remember everything was still, uh, I was always on the church property, you know, uh, whether mm. it was a youth event or. Was was the graveyard it, you played hide and seek in? Was that on church property? It was. I, I'm stuck on that. That's so weird to me. <laughs> you played hide and seek in a graveyard. Yeah. I'm, please don't tell me the name of that church. They're going to get in trouble for I that. <laughs> I won't tell you the name, but it, it was. Uh, um. But yeah, everything we did, even youth, everything was on on the property, and um, and I don't really remember going out a lot. We would go out and you know Christmas carols and you know stuff like that. We were things we would do every year at the same time. But as far as just saying, hey, let's go to this neighborhood and it's outside the church community and have a cookout or you know just do yeah. something out there at somebody's house. It's in that neighborhood, and you know yeah. I don't I remember anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's not an unheard of thing, mm-hmm. but it just I th- yeah, it feels like it's a special effort to have to do that stuff, and we usually avoid it. Mm-hmm. And and we always point to things. Yeah, I know the AC in here is ridiculous. Um, we we always point to different reasons, liability or mm-hmm. safe sanctuary or the bishop's orders or whatever, some other reason that we can't go outside the church yeah. um, and do these things. So yeah, that, that there's what I would change. I don't, you know, if you've got something else, great. If not, I have another question here. Um, Nothing's coming to mind right now. Uh, off the top of my head. All right. So I'll ask you the hardest question then. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait. Yep. Uh, this is the hallmark question of the podcast. I have to ask it every time. I don't have to, but I'm going to ask it every time um, for you. Where does faith and life meet? And just to kind of, it, Laurel asked me last week um, to kind of explain that a little bit more. Um, for you, your faith might be one way and, and your life might look a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but where, I think it's important for us to to integrate faith into our life and life into our faith. If you separate it where my church is over here and my, my life, quote unquote, is over here, you're not doing it right. And I think, intellectually we know that um but i guess the point of this whole podcast um and and the point of what we're trying to get at thematically as a church right now um is to understand where our life and our faith meet and and kind of live in that spot Mm -hmm. that intersection um and so for you between your your life your i say life in quotes your your outside of church life your your wife your kids your work your social life whatever it might be and your faith, what you think about God, and 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 where your focus and emphasis in your faith is, um, where do those two things meet, and where do they function best together? Um, where do they function best together? Uh, it is a tough question. Um, I would say right now at work. I'll just kind of talk about work a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Where I'm working at right now, I've been there for two and a half years, still in the heat and air business, but uh, the company and the owner, or the company as a whole, is a really good Christian company. Okay. Um, it's one of the few places I've worked at in the past 21 years or, or further that, uh, you know, they're not really afraid to pray if we have a dinner 
or, or something like that. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. So it's been, that's encouraging. Yeah. That's so it's, as far as the faith and work I've, in life, I've tried to, uh, see how they're, you know, living their life, you know, outside of the church and stuff like that. And I've tried to focus on that. So that's helped me a little bit at the, you know, trying to grow more is seeing the influence that people have, that, you know, mm. that people don't see at church, you know, I'm seeing people that I work with, you know, they live this way right here. And that's, that's helped, uh, as far as the church and, uh, do you mean like seeing faith outside of the yes, church yeah. and outside of your normal group of right. friends happen? Right. Okay. So that's helped a lot. And then even at, you know, at home too, you know, uh, being back in church, um, seeing that at work and stuff like that, it's helped us as a family too. Um, you know, what do you mean? Uh, we're just, seems like we've been able to be more open maybe. Okay. You know, um, yeah. We've had, you know, John was in the uh, disciples class, so she did a Bible study and stuff like that. She's, so she's talked to me a lot about what she's learned, which has helped uh, a little bit in my faith as well. So. Yeah. So having the, it's, it's kind of like a seeing other people do it and model mm-hmm. it, um, is, is kind of like an, a, a gateway to entry, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you have to see it happen. You don't just wake up one day right. comfortable talking about all your doubts and, and, and whatever about faith, uh, mm-hmm. all your questions about faith with whoever's around the house. Right. It's almost like a trained behavior kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah, I, I agree. See, seeing, especially Phil, the, the leader of the disciple class, um, does a really good job of just being comfortable asking weird, hard questions. <laughs> weird, hard questions. Yeah. Um, and, but it's it's not difficult to ask a question that normally you'd be kind of embarrassed to ask. Like I, I've heard of some of the people in that like look very embarrassed to ask a question, but get it out. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's a great question. And talk at length about it. And all of a sudden that what might've been a silly question before is like, man, actually that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, so it's seeing that in action from other people is very good. So, so for you, would I, would I be accurate to, um, to, to summarize that by saying, um, seeing faith in action, um, by, by people in the community or outside of church? Outside of church. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. So outside of like what you would expect it. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, it, was there ever a moment in your, this is another one, I'm ambushing you right now, I don't mean to, um, but I'm, I'm doing it. Was there ever a moment in your life, because you were telling me about how you were walking one way, invited to church, fell in love, et cetera. Um, was there ever a moment in your life where that kind of just snapped into place all at once? Your, your I don't want to say assuredness about faith, but you know, the direction changed a little bit, um, a, a, like kind of an epiphany moment, I guess, or anything like that? Yeah, um, I couldn't tell you when it was, but I'm, I remember sitting in church one day and just having, uh, you know, I guess I was going through the motions kind of, you know, I'd, I'd been sure. in church when I was younger and saved and stuff like that. and um, But, you know, I guess it was just one day in church. That, uh, I can't even tell you what the sermon was, but it was just, just something right. <laughs> something clicked that day and it, it was like, wow, and I, you know, I talked to the youth director and the minister after everything. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just like, Wow. And I'm trying to remember. There was somebody up there talking other than the preacher that day, and I can't remember who it was, but mm. you think an important day like that, I would remember. But You would be shocked at how often life-changing <laughs> sermons people have no idea what they were yeah. about later on in life. Like that is, I've heard that story so many times, and that's been the case for me multiple times. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I remember 
I had my very first year as a youth director, we went to Resurrection, which is for those of you that might be new or not, not aware, is kind of like the big youth gathering yearly that thousands of youth go to. Usually, probably not this year. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully maybe this year, but probably not. Um, but usually thousands of youth would go to and we'd have a big professional speaker come up and, you know, really good worship and blah, 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 blah. Um, but there's this guy named Reggie, Reggie Dabs, I believe is his last name. Um, very influential speaker. Um, and while I don't agree with every theological thing he ever says, whatever he said that night, and again, just like you, I have no idea what he said. Mm -hmm. It brought in front, in front of all these people that, and I had just been hired as the youth director. And so I'm sitting here bawling in front of parents and kids and everything like, this is so good. And I'm not like, I I don't do that really usually. So I was like very self-aware, but a lot of times the most impactful sermons are kind of in that moment and it really mm-hmm. doesn't matter later on in life what they're about because of kind of yeah. oh, is it internal change no the, well i was gonna say the important thing is that whatever it was that triggered it probably it's not important but the what you did afterwards or how it triggered you or what you did the or response. how it affected you yeah, yeah it was probably and that's what i remember I, I remember that clearly but you know everything else was that sounds like one of those dad type uh uh revelations like something maybe your dad is definitely something my dad taught me is is it doesn't matter what happens to you it's it it matters you (laughs) happening to other people or or in other situations yeah that's how you respond um okay last question um and and we'll we'll get you out of here um if you had one thing to tell your church right now uh whether it has anything to do with the fact that we're socially distanced or whatever if there's just a message you would have for the church what would you tell your church if you had a moment and you do to do that what would okay say say that question again. yeah if you had one thing to tell your church right now mm-hmm. what would it be keep the faith keep the faith because I think right now with uh, everybody you know on lockdown mm-hmm. or, and everything that's going on right now, I, I think it would be hard for some people to find or see the faith, I guess, or have, keep keep their faith. Um, I'm sure we're going through hard times for whatever reason, but yeah, I have a thing. Just keep your faith uh, in God and His plan. I was reading an article earlier today about churches. Uh, uh, it started out as a, a Facebook. I'm in a Facebook group with a bunch of church leaders, uh, youth leaders specifically, um, and some some of them are pastors as well. And they were asking the question, "What is the biggest struggle you're having with the new age of doing church, social distance, whatever?" Um, and somebody linked this article about how everybody across the board is. I mean, there there is very very there are very few examples of churches that are getting it right, um, mm-hmm. that that are seeing better engagement, that are seeing or just as good engagement, um, and so the frustration right now of the whole keeping the faith thing um, in church is you know like even when we started uh, meeting, we're seeing like twenty percent of our normal attendance when we do meet and are able to meet in person, and when we're online, we're only seeing like you know, about the same amount mm-hmm. online. Uh, and so it's not only frustrating for, for the churches, but 
if you see only about 20% of the people that you're used to seeing at church, it, it makes you ask the question, are people keeping the faith or are yeah. they going through is the reason, is it a technology? I'm just, I don't know, Facebook live or whatever, you know, old person thing, or mm-hmm. is it, are people struggling keeping the faith and just not responding in the same way? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a, yeah, that, that's the that's, question I've been struggling <laughs> with. I'll tell you that, but that's, I would say keep the faith. That's, yeah. That's huge right now. So, uh, Mike, thank you for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. You didn't even ask me anything about my Lego collection. <gasps> oh, I no. I can't believe All that. Right. Nope, nope, that nope. not even on the list of questions. Uh, you're right. I'm glad you said that. I can't believe I almost <laughs> forgot. Okay. No, no, no. We're, we're not done yet. I don't know how I'm going to edit that out, but I don't think I am. All right. I made a mistake. Listen, I said this at the beginning, too. And I, I meant to start with that and just got sidetracked. This man is a Lego aficionado. I believe would be the word I would use to describe them. And I haven't been to your place yet, but I have seen a video and heard rumors, of course, uh, from your family about kind of the, the setup you have. I guess it is it your, like in your basement, you have a room for it or something like yeah, that. It's, it's a room in the basement that I have set up a, a Lego Lego tables, I should say, but uh, it's a Lego land, a small one. <laughs> <laughs> so like, the the reason I knew this from the start was we, we did like a, a church video where it was for Father's Day and we had all our youth, you know, tell, say why they love their dad. And um, Delaney was kind of the first one that opened the video up and it was this pan over of all the Legos, like this whole universe of Legos <laughs> that I saw with all these amazing things. And she's like, I love my dad because he does Legos with me. And <laughs> I was instantly like, that is so many Legos. Oh, my goodness. And I, I was like, Jonna, why didn't you tell me he was into Legos? That's so cool. And she's like, that was only half the room, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, like, tell me, t- how did you get into Legos? I guess I was I was really into them growing up. I had all the Legos and stuff growing up. And then you know, Delaney was born, and we got her a, a small set one day. And then my parents said, well, here, take all your old stuff and get it out of our house. And you know, one set turned into two and then four and, you know, uh, our old house was, uh, well, I didn't have, I had a garage. I didn't have a, a Lego room. So I had a garage. It was right. packed full. So when we moved, that was one of the, uh, we we're looking to move. That was one of the things we had to have was. Had to have a Lego room. Had to have space for a Lego room. And, Fantastic. Uh, and my wife found the house. Uh, we actually signed all the paperwork before I ever saw it. So I took her word that there was enough room for my Legos. And, uh, that's a lot of trust, right? Yeah, there. it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that. And, uh, eventually I built a, ta- uh, one table and started putting everything back together. And there's still a bunch still need to be built. But, uh, so that's how I really got back into it. And then, you know, there was a brick universal in uh, Knoxville a few years back that I was like, is that a Lego convention? Yeah, it is. Lego, yeah, it's a Lego convention they had. Okay. They're supposed to have one again this year, but, uh, yeah, it's yeah. like everything else. So. Yeah, um, we'll we'll zoom call our Legos. Yeah, so yeah, I guess I've had some stuff in in that show downtown, so it's it's been fun. So, what's been like the most impressive thing that, in your opinion, obviously, uh, that you've you've created? Oh, I've created uh, like your favorite piece, I guess. Would we call it a piece? Yeah. So, I built a being in being in air and construction for the past twenty one years. I I was kind of fascinated with cranes. Okay, and I built a crane uh that's it won't it doesn't drive but it does it does move forward and backwards and pick up stuff and oh wow uh it's uh it's about almost six foot tall 
So really, and it, it falls apart really easy if you don't have it everything just perfect on it. So we we we've learned that several times over uh, when I was learning how to build a crane. So yeah, it's uh, that's probably the the biggest piece I've actually ever built that uh, wow. I like. Is it part of kind of your uh, your your hands on building thing that kind of yeah. drew you to? Yeah, it was. Um, at work, I used to keep a Rubik's Cube around for stress relief, so I like to do things with my hands. So the Legos probably help with certain stress relief from time to time, too. So My goodness. So is there, uh, are you working on something right now? I was working on something for the show coming up, but... Uh, motivation. Yeah, with, yeah motivation, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so there was not a lot of motivation there, and then uh, you would think with all the being stuck at home with COVID and everything, I'd be working on it, but I hadn't really worked on a whole lot. So, you know, there, if I need pits and bits and pieces, I, I can't really purchase it. Well, I can now, but at the time I, yeah. When they were on essentials only mode yeah, or whatever, yeah, everything was locked down. Right. So I wasn't buying any, any parts and pieces. So I hadn't built in a couple months now, but so I, I'm, I'm at a loss here. <laughs> um, because I, I, has, have you, uh, so, all right, during COVID, let, let me ask uh, beyond the Lego thing. Um, during COVID, have you had to work at home? Like, was that part of, you said you were stuck at home. Were you like furloughed or having to work from home remotely or anything like Just that? Just working from home remotely. Um, How do you do that in heating and air? Because I work in the office now. Oh, so, you, so you're, okay, yeah. handling accounts and things like yeah, that. So sale, uh, sales, sales and programming, and because I do building automation now. So um got out of installs and fixing and repairing and got into the programming side yeah so how do you um, not have like a bluetooth headphone or something on and you're doing legos while you like i don't know how you're not doing who says that. i don't you just did <laughs> it's been a month and a half i, I want to see the empire state building remade in the amount of time you've had stuck at home uh, there's, there's a lot of people out there who have a lot more skill than i do to do that oh, so. no nah, that's <laughs> modest i got, okay. got a small version about four inches tall Will that count as yeah. the empire state building <laughs> only if the inside is an exact replica too. <laughs> all right well uh that's we're, we're pushing time so that's going to be all we got here uh tonight mike thank you for joining us okay. um, and thank you for telling us about your legos and reminding me i'm uh, so sorry oh my, that was literally the most excited i was about this uh, podcast too <laughs> is that, is that I why i got forgot. invited on the, is that why i got put on the list 100 percent. okay no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> just kidding that's yeah, the only reason. Uh, but thank you. I appreciate you guys taking the uh, you taking the time to come and hang out with us. And uh, guys, we'll see you next week and uh, at the, on the Intersection Podcast. See ya. See ya.